You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact as told by the very changemakers that make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of Behind the Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown, and in this episode, Blair Pettit, the Social Impact Program Manager at Koros, joins me to talk about how the company uses its people, product, and capital to make a difference. This is a great episode. Sit back and enjoy. Let's get into the show. Blair, welcome to Behind the Impact. Thank you. Really excited to be here. I'm excited to learn more about your background and learn more about Koros, making sure that I say that correctly this time around. Um, so before we get into Koros, what I would like to do is go back in time and learn more about how you got into social impact. So let's start there. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into the profession? Yes, it's a very indirect path, which I'm sure you hear a lot um, from people in the space, but um, rewind back to college days. Um, I went to Vanderbilt University for undergrad in Nashville, and um, my track within my major was international leadership and development. Um, so took a lot of courses around community development, knew I wanted to do something in that direction, didn't know what. Um, and my senior year, I took a class on social entrepreneurship. Um, I had a professor, his name was Jim Shore. Um, he's unfortunately passed away from cancer since, but he was a huge inspirational figure in my journey um, and had so much passion and so much experience in the social impact space and really mentored me in thinking through how to make that a career path and how to work towards those goals. So that was kind of the spark moment for me um, and knew I wanted to pursue that, didn't know what it would look like. Um, so once I graduated, I actually moved to Austin, Texas, which is where I am now, um, and ended up working in client services at The Honest Company, um, but was really drawn to the company for their social goodness platform. Um, they do a lot of product donations and community nonprofit events, so um, actually got to get my, get my feet wet in that area, um, kind of my first experience with, uh, you know, kind of more corporate impact-facing times. Um, before that, also, when I was in Nashville, I interned for a couple of fair trade startup uh, social enterprise brands there. Um, one was Nisolo, um, and they do um, leather goods, and it's focused on providing economic opportunity in developing communities. Um, so just kind of had a lot of scattered experiences like that, where I knew I loved this area of you know, the intersection of for-profit business, figuring out how to use their models for good and to ignite change, but still really wasn't sure how I could pursue that directly um, in my career. Um, so after the Honest Company, I actually completely switched gears and came over to the company that I am at now. Um, we've gone through a merger, so when I joined, it was actually called Spreadfast, um, but actually joined on our social media marketing team. Um, so actually managed a book of paying customer accounts that used our software, helping them with their social media marketing strategies, very far removed. I was working with enterprise level brands like ESPN, Target, Verbo, you name it. So very far removed from the social impact world and, you know, kind of had a moment of how do I weave this into what I'm doing? I know that's what I want to, what I want to pursue long-term. So how can I bring that to my current role? 
um, and ended up pitching a small pro bono initiative to my director for my team. So we started rolling out some social media strategy for free to local nonprofits in the Austin area. Um, a lot of my employees really enjoyed that sort of skills-based volunteering, but again, it was a really small initiative. And then fast forward to um, you know, the murder of George Floyd, COVID-19, everything that happened in 2020 and has been happening since. Um, in that moment, I realized that there was so much more that my own company could be doing in that space. Um, we really didn't have any sort of fo formalized social impact strategy in place. So I felt it was a good time to say, hey, this has been working well for my team. How can we really scale this and make it a company-wide effort? Um, so I put together a big pitch and research deck um, outlining what other tech companies of our similar size um, were doing and received the green light. So have been building out our social impact programs ever since. Eventually got enough buy-in uh, to make it a full-time role. So it's just been kind of a trickle effect of continuing to find ways to go after my passion. And um, it's, you know, I can't say that when I joined my current company that I ever thought I would find my way here, um, but really, really happy that I did. So you mentioned how influential your professor was when you were in college. What about social impact drew you in? Yeah, um, I think that it's, you know, I grew up thinking, oh, maybe I'll work for a nonprofit. Um, I, I think a lot of people start out thinking that in this space and it just something kind of really clicked for me of this model of, you know, these huge corporations are the ones that have tons and tons of resources and they're not relying on funds. They're relying on consumers um, and everyday people to really power so much change. Um, they have again, just the power to ignite so much change through all of the resources that they have access to. And so really thinking through that, I've just been obsessed with following that journey um, and seeing how different companies are using their assets for good in different ways. And then you also mentioned, so at Koros, you start off at a different, as a, on social media and then pitched the idea for social impact. Take me back to that time. What, what was going through your mind in terms of, okay, here's what I should include in the pitch. Here's how I should pitch this idea to my director. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I would say fast forward to, you know, summer 2020. That's when I really started to notice that, you know, here we are looking, being in the marketing space, you have a really you know, an ear to the ground of what's happening across corporations, how their consumers are resonating with their messaging. I started to see so many companies, you know, make statements of support for the black community, uh, but not follow through with any sort of action or transparency um, around their plans or commitments. And so that was a lot of, of my work during that time was advising enterprise brands on how to navigate these sensitive moments. And Obviously, the huge trend around that was that those really leading with action and inclusivity were, you know, driving the most brand trust and brand loyalty with their audiences. Um, and those that were not were really falling behind and being called out left and right. So 
social media kind of gave me that, I think, a really unique lens of being like hyper aware of what people care about in such a fast paced world and in those really sensitive moments. Um, and I think that, you know, really powered my argument for why we needed to implement something um, here at Koros. And so for the pro bono program that you pitched, what what did that consist of? Yeah, so originally it was offering our software and services for free to qualifying nonprofits. Um, so we have that in place now. It's called our Koros Social Responsibility Program. Um, it is our version of a tech for good program. And we actually focus on those that are either owned by or in direct service to underrepresented groups. Um, so we have built, built that from the ground up. Um, when I say we, I, we have a committee, a steering committee at Koros that has been a really cross-functional crew. They've been super helpful um, in making sure that we operationalize that program across the business. So it's really important for us at Koros that we treat our nonprofits like normal paying customers. So they flow through the sales cycle just like anyone else. They have an SDR who does app discovery and outreach and demos with them. They have, you know, pass to customer enablement team um, as well as customer success and product coaching and everything else. So um, it was really important to have, you know, a cross-functional team to help build that out and steer how we can scale it and implement it in a way to which it doesn't fall off the radar as a separate, you know, volunteer wing, but that it's really ingrained in what we already do. And so you mentioned the cross-functional team, and I feel like that's where a lot of people are when it comes to creating a new social impact program at their company. Out of curiosity, how did you go about putting together that cross-functional team, and and what did that uh, consist of? Yeah, Um, let's see. I would say very early on when I got the green light, um, you know, my background was specifically from our strategic services team, um, which is a very small portion of the overall business. And so I knew that, you know, for us to successfully roll this out, I would need, uh, you know, sales leadership support, product support, finance, legal, you know, and then ultimately marketing. How do we tell this story internally and externally? And every, really every team at Coros. Um, so from there, um, met with actually our VP of product um, now, and she's been a huge, huge champion for the program, as well as our senior director of business systems. Um, they both thankfully have a very great understanding of social impact as well and are really passionate about it. So they've been two really, really key drivers of making sure that this program you know, received the right approvals. Um, From there, they have helped me figure out, you know, who are those key stakeholders across the other functions of the business that should be brought into this conversation. Um, And so from there, I was able to set time, you know, tons and tons of one-on-ones, you know, sharing the vision. And from there, leaders of the different orgs across the business kind of nominated people that they thought would be good fits for this type of committee. And we've been meeting on a biweekly basis ever since. Um, once my role was realized as a full-time position, um, it's kind of transitioned to be more of an advisory board. But that's been so, so helpful to me um, of knowing just where to turn and kind of you know challenging me of what gaps I may be overlooking, um, what challenges I need to foresee from different stakeholders' perspectives. Um, so it's definitely been a, a crucial part of getting everything rolling. 
So from the time you had the initial idea for the pro bono program to now fast forward to having the program in place and having all the various stakeholders involved, in terms of time frame, how long did that take? I would say it took about it took about six months for us to sign our first nonprofit partner into the platform for us to officially close that contract. Um, from there, it's just been, you know, this past year, we really viewed it as a, a pilot year. Um, I honestly still view it as a pilot, you know, every now and then feedback bubbles up and, uh, you know, we try and create feedback loops to understand different pain points here and there to work through. Um, just as an example, one is, you know, how do we figure out how to scale this initiative across our sales department? Um, with it being non-commission based work, what does that look like? And so very early on, that was a piece of the puzzle we had to figure out was, you know, is there a way that we can move this around to be more of a sales training program for our brand new SDRs before they go on to be um, enterprise customer facing? And so that's that was the solution that we found. Um, and it's been a really great way to reduce ramp time as they move on up in that work. So um yeah, it's it took about six months to finally get that first nonprofit signed, but since then it's been a very steady, steady growth. Um, I will say, I feel like I didn't fully answer your question a second ago, but we do have a few other pillars of our social impact work at Coros. So it really started, I would say, in terms of really formalizing what we do at Coros. It started with that tech for good program, but we've since added on about three other pillars. Um, so one is volunteerism. All of our employees have 24 hours paid volunteer time off. Another is resources. So we have a corporate donation strategy. We work really closely with our employee resource groups to identify those nonprofits and making sure that they align with, you know, what's happening in the world and key cultural moments that matter most to our employees. And then that final pillar is planet. Um, so our sustainability strategy, and that's a very new territory for us. Um, but this past year, we just completed our first uh, greenhouse gas emission greenhouse gas emission measurement phase. Um, and this year, we'll be setting targets for how we become net zero by 2050. Well, that's exciting. Congratulations, first and foremost. Thanks. How large is the impact team right now? It is a team of one. <laughs> the mighty one. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I would probably say 80, 80 to 90% of the people that I've spoken to on the podcast, that's the same situation they're in. They're, they're a team of one. And when, I, when I'm faced with a guest that is a team of one, I have to ask this question. So obviously social impact, there's a lot that goes into it. And now when you incorporate DE&I and then overall ESG and all that stuff, there's a lot there. So as a team of one, how do you get it all done? Um, and then I, I guess more, the more important question is, how are the employees involved in helping you get the job done? Yes, that, that second part of the question is the key. Um, so like I said, we have the committee and that uh, we call, it's our ESG committee. And it started out obviously really heavily advising on the Tech for Good program but now it's more expansive to our other pillars of social impact. So they weigh in heavily on the direction, kind of the strategic vision for those programs as a whole. 
Um, but outside of that, I would say for employee volunteerism and corporate donations, so more of our employee engagement focused pillars, um, I rely really heavily on our regional workplace teams. Um, they are all very passionate about, you know, kind of developing volunteer events and opportunities, um, as well as our employee resource groups. So um, over a year ago, we launched our first uh, employee resource groups at Coros after hiring our first director of diversity and inclusion. Um, and so those groups have been really, really crucial in um, also weighing in on our corporate donation strategy. Um, for example, this month, being Women's History Month, our Women's ERG selected actually one of our Tech for Good customer nonprofits, um, an organization called Nomi Network, and so that's who we are donating to this month as an organization. But um, having them involved in a lot of the planning and process development has been really, really key. Are there specific cause areas where Koros is, kind of gravitate towards? That's a good question. Um, it's kind of evolving. So right now, our Tech for Good program is really focused on um, organizations that are owned by or in direct service to underrepresented groups. Um, our donation strategy is obviously relevant to the causes that matter to our employee resource groups. So again, a lot of diverse causes um, represented there. So. Um, I wouldn't say that there's like one sector we focus on, but something that I am kind of building a strategy and pitch around for this year is the possibility of, of figuring out a kind of a more year-round global nonprofit partner um, that really we can champion across different functions. So both from a corporate donation perspective, but also maybe skills-based volunteering opportunities like hackathons. Um, and I'm and that could also touch things like diversity recruitment efforts and, you know, internship opportunities um, in organization, you know, just to give kind of a, an example, I'm not saying we're going, we're going that route, but like a girls who code, you know, an organization in kind of the STEM space, the coding space, really empowering, um, you know, advanced education in the tech space for underserved communities. That's kind of, I feel like the direction that we should head in terms of what we do as a business, you know, what makes sense for us as a brand um, and something, you know, a cause that our global employee base can really rally behind, even if they don't touch the work directly. Um, so that is something that we're looking toward. Got it. And as a team of one, what is your vision for the program? How do you see it evolving? Oh boy. Uh, so that's, that is a big one. Um, I kind of want to shift from more of right now we're in a bit of a micro giving model, um, kind of across our efforts. And so I want to drive a more, um, cohesive, like year round impact, um, and think about that. So that's a big one for us is identifying a corporate nonprofit partnership, um, in terms of how else I'd like to see it evolve. Um, our Tech for Good program, um, with that, I really want to figure out how we can continue to scale it um, and sustain it long term. So a big focus area is figuring out what renewals look like um, for the model of our program. 
Um, right now, all of our nonprofits sign on for 24-month contracts. So figuring out uh, what that looks like at the 24-month mark so that we can continue to sustain the program long-term, um, still being amazing partners to the nonprofits, but also creating some sort of churn for us to be able to take on more um, each year. So that's a, that's a piece that we've almost, we almost have fully finalized, um, but that I'm really excited to roll out. Um, we are also, and the other thing I'm really excited about is the um, setting our reduction targets and plans for our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, it was great to achieve the milestone of measurement um, this past year, but you know, really excited to actually dig into what those reduction strategies are. It's a brand new space for me, so I'm learning all about the different frameworks and raters and rankers that are out there, but excited to, you know, figure out how that trickles down to other parts of the business that I maybe haven't worked with yet. Out of curiosity, are there any companies that have programs similar to yours that you use as inspiration or aspire to be like? Yes. Um, I actually just met with a person from uh, Braze because I, um, I reached out to their VP of social impact because I really admire their tech for black founders program. Um, they are also a customer engagement software platform um, and they, I think what's, what sets them apart in, in my eyes is that they don't function in a silo. So they offer um, black founders access to their tools, but it's not just their tools. They've joined forces with 40 plus other companies and really position it as a growth stack. So they, you know, I see that as so impactful if you think of it from the applicant's perspective you're getting access to a full suite that can truly change the, the trajectory of your business um, versus you know, getting one tool here through this program, another tool here through this other program. I think we're all doing great work, but I love the collaboration and coming together because I think that makes the impact even more powerful. So it is early days for Coerce's social impact program. Now, what have you learned throughout the, the initial from going basically from going to pitching the idea to actually running this program full time? What are some of the lessons you've learned about running a program and even scaling a program? Yeah. Oh, goodness. It's more like, what have I not learned? <laughs> um, no, I've learned so, so much. Um, it's funny. I started when I was on our strategic services team, I sat on that team for about, you know, four-ish years. And when I pivoted to this side of the business and to social impact, the um, the speed in which I've learned about how the rest of the company works is incredible. Um, it's put me on a fast track to learn to see the business in a new lens. And just, you really have to learn how every single other team works um, in order to make your program carry weight. Um, so it's been such a huge learning opportunity in terms of, you know, real lessons, I would say, um, finding your champions was a huge lesson. Um, that was something that was told to me when I was networking in the early stages too, but just 
Um, find your mentors, find your champions, um, because that will really help you, you know, get the, the footing you need to keep going along the way and get stakeholder buy-in, which is huge. Um, so that's been really helpful to me. Um, I would say another piece is just start. Um, I, I think we all, it's all, you know, very new territory for us. Um, and I had a lot of imposter syndrome at first of like, I don't have my master's in social impact or environmentalism. Um, but I think just continuing to research, 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 read what other companies are doing, read every single brand's impact report you can possibly get your hands on um, and start somewhere. Um, you will run into roadblocks and challenges, um, but that's the only way to keep pushing things forward. Um, you know, even just with launching our tech for good program, we were like, Oh, are we ready to sign on a nonprofit? You know, do we have everything in place? It's like, okay, let's just go ahead and sign them and see what happens. If they don't end up finding value in our program, that's a learning to us for how we can change our selection criteria, which will help us in the long run. Um, same with, we just published our first annual impact report and, I quite honestly didn't think we were ready for that, but I wanted us to start. Um, it is a bit more qualitative than, you know, my dream type of annual impact report, but it's a start. And even just doing that exercise, it was really like an inherent SWOT analysis and gave me the opportunity to meet with all of these people who oversee these programs to understand what measurement we have in place, but also to share with them the vision of, hey, when we do this report next year, Let's make sure we do have data here. Let's make sure we can improve this number and this metric because that shows year over year progress. So those are just a couple examples, but I think it's important to just start somewhere and just keep moving. Um, otherwise you'll, you know, you'll psych yourself out thinking everything has to be perfect before you begin, but we're all just figuring this out. That is such good advice because imposter syndrome is real and I feel like a lot of people that get into this space are coming from just everywhere, nonprofit sector, from other jobs, other roles like yourself. And you, know, you don't have, you might not have that actual background in CSR, for example, and you get into this and you're like, well, all right, here we go. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. But the fact that, like you said, just start, even if it's not perfect, that's such good advice. Okay. Transitioning to, what is the most meaningful thing about being in the social impact profession? Yeah, uh, this is a really tough one to put my finger on. Um, I think obviously, you know, the obvious answer is day to day, no matter how stressful, you know, work gets and with competing deadlines and different stakeholder requests and all of that. Um, at the end of the day, my stress is coming from a place of I'm doing good. Um, I, you know, as a perfectionist, I am always like, oh, I can be doing better. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, without having started this work, without being in this space, we wouldn't be making the impact that we are as a business. Um, you know, for example, one of our Tech for Good customers just finished doing a case study with our marketing team. Um, Austin Pets Alive is the nonprofit and 
sitting in on their call to hear about the value that our software had for them as an organization and how it's helped them even increase their donations just by having a tool. Um, how it's helped them, you know, become more efficient as a team by having our tools um, was really powerful and such a reminder of why we do what we do and how this wouldn't be in place um, otherwise. So that's, you know, of course, such a rewarding part and meaningful part of working in social impact. I think the other piece that's really meaningful to me um, in my specific industry and position is just, you know, when I think of social impact five, six years ago, like when I was a senior in college, it was really, you know, your apparel brands, your Tom's shoes. And like, I, I heard about social impact at Starbucks and Ben and & Jerry's and like these other places, but, you know, it really, I had absolutely no connection of social impact with a software company. And so the fact that um, you know, so many of us are building out these roles and these programs at these places in a whole new industry. I just feel like we're we're trailblazers at the end of the day and really setting a new standard for other companies. The companies that did it before me um, allowed, you know, gave me the tools I needed to make that pitch to my leaders because I could say, hey, this other 400 person company already has a social impact manager, you know, let's not fall behind. So it's like really exciting to be, feel like we're on the front lines in this tech space of building out what this looks like and really changing people's expectations for social impact in tech. Okay. So one thing I want to go back to is you mentioned that you were consuming a lot of, you know, content resources to get up to speed uh, when it comes to social impact. Do you have any recommendations for folks in terms of uh, maybe websites or books that they might want to look at to just learn more about the space and just, you know, take their knowledge to the next level? Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, annual impact reports are such a great place to start. Um, I, you know, started out re reading, you know, impact reports from brands like Nike and, um, you know, kind of more brands that you're everyday brands that you're familiar with. Um, and then as you just get more familiar with the terminology used throughout that and how things are structured, um, you know, then diving more into smaller tech type uh, organizations and their impact reports. And it all just starts to click the more and more you read and consume about it. Um, I also recommend, you know, just viewing most companies have, if they have social impact programs in place um, on their websites, uh, it's a really great snapshot. I think of like the different pillars that they have and different initiatives, and you'll start to see so much overlap, so much similarity. And I think that helps you get your bearings of the social impact space. Um, outside of that, I also recommend Coursera. They have tons of free courses on there. I did one uh, through Babson College a couple years ago um, that was called um, From Corporate Social Responsibility to Corporate Social Innovation, but they have tons of courses on there related to CSR, um, more and more now even related to ESG and ESG measurement. So I'm adding those to my list as well. Um, but those are great. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I think um, I, we at Koros are members of Pledge 1% um, as well. So that's been an amazing resource in terms of having access to webinars and just a network of other people 
Um, and, you know, of course, networking. I think I, I personally always respond if, if strangers, you know, message me on LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people in this space do as well. Um, because so many of us are new to it and have been in such a similar place recently. Um, and so I think just network with anyone and everyone you can in the space. And that's really helped me learn a ton as well. All right. Last question for you. Um, so do you have, based off of your experience and in, in obviously is still early in terms of Koros's social impact program, do you have any advice for anyone who either is coming from the nonprofit sector or is currently at a different job function but wants to make that transition into social impact, do you have any advice for them in terms of entering into the profession? Mm, yeah, that is that is a great question. Um, I would say, you know, if you're wanting to make that change, like let's say you are uh, within a company and you're in a different function, but you want to make that pitch, make that change. I think just start small, um, start, you know, see what you can do for your own team, uh, what you can pitch for your, for your team yourself. That's in kind of relation to social impact at large, and then just continue to meet with people and, um, kind of scale that up. I think it's so important uh, and kind of my mentors in my journey really helped me also think through as I was pitching things, my different audiences. So you may be talking to people who really don't care that much about volunteerism and nonprofit work. So you may have to think about it through a different lens. You know, is it showing them that it's a white space opportunity in comparison to competitors? Is it showing them the research of what other companies are doing? There's tons of studies out there from Edelman and Deloitte that give you really powerful stats in terms of how it influences, you know, brand positioning in the market and um, recruitment and retention, which are obviously huge hugely important in today's remote work world. Um, so I think really keep your audience top of mind, keep chipping away, start small, um, and just keep having conversations and pushing forward. And even if, you know, if I could go back and tell myself something starting out as a social media coordinator, it would be, you know, just keep trucking, keep doing what you're doing, keep focusing on your passion um, even if you don't think it's going to happen where you are, it might. Um, so keep, you know, making small moves in that direction to align with what you want to do long term. And you'd be surprised what doors end up opening. Blair, thank you so much for joining me and telling me a little bit about your background as well as the impact efforts at Koros. There's a lot of good things happening over there. So very excited to watch from afar and just see the evolution of the program. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Social Impact World, the exclusive community for social impact leaders. To learn more, go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.